Hi, y'all. Welcome to week three of Up the Coast with Alex and Britt. We are here to break down week two of season for ACC softball across the country. Britt, so much going on last weekend. A lot of ACC teams playing in huge tournaments. Tell me a little bit about what we saw. You talk about huge tournament. You got to think about Clearwater down at the Shriner Children's Invitational Clearwater presented by Evo Shield. I don't think I got it right, but close, right? <laughs> but I tell you what, I, um, I'm i never going to complain about watching softball all day long for a couple days, but I was exhausted after watching those games. I mean, just runs and runs and runs, home runs, sloppy defense. It was a bad weekend to be a pitching coach, to be a pitcher. I I, I mean, I, I don't know if this is just the change of our game we've seen the offense really come around the past couple years but nothing like we saw this weekend I couldn't agree more and it was crazy I I agree too with the watching softball all day long I think I was folding laundry at like 10 30 or 11 p.m and like still had the game on my phone the UCF game one of those and so like you just love watching softball right all day Mm -hmm. um but my mom said that too so my parents came and visited this weekend and stayed over and you know of course they're avid softball fans and my mom looks at me and goes are the hitters just so much better now or like is the pitching struggling across the country? I think that's the question. "Um, Yeah. (laughs) That's what everybody's asking, right? Are they just, is there more analytics? Is there more video? Is that contributing to it? Is pitching just falling off and not catching up with the technology? Everybody's asking that question. And do you have the answer? Uh, No, I definitely don't. I don't either. I mean, it's a scary time to be a pitching coach or a pitcher right now. Just from what we saw on the biggest stage this part of the season on ESPN, 40 games, well, minus the rain games that knocked out a couple of days, which was terrible, but you can't control the rain, but we got some good games in, but it was just, it was unbelievable. And the thing that used to make our sport so great and stand apart. It was how quick it was, you know, yeah. two hour games, get in, get out. It's perfect for TV. They want us on TV. People can stay focused for that long. And you saw baseball, they're really trying to speed up their game and they've done a good job. And softball now this year, if you watch any of the games, you saw the pitch clock. The tw- they went from 25 seconds to 20 seconds. Now there's an actual clock that the umpires control, so they're trying to speed it up that way. And then the pitch calm system, which is um, not mandatory, but you can use it this year where you can either have a watch on and the pitching coach is clicking a button and it says rise ball outside, or even I saw Florida State do some in-ear stuff, and that's supposed to speed up the game but if you're having game 30 run <laughs> games i don't care if you have a pitch com or a pitch clock I, yeah. there's nothing you can do to speed up the game when it's going going that way no you're spot on and yeah when you're having 30 run ball games that means what 30 35 who knows yeah. god knows how many hits right yeah. and it just elongates the entire game and it's so tough i mean selfishly i got to go to clearwater um on nice. friday and watch the Florida State UCLA game. And of course, when I'm driving two and a half hours each way, I don't want a fast game. Like I want (laughs) to soak up every ounce of softball that I can get. But yeah, it's pretty crazy. And so um, any of the fans at home that watched and stayed true to the games through and through, uh, we commend you because yeah, you're definitely a softball fan if you're watching three plus hour long games. But let's get into a little bit of what we saw specifically in Clearwater because we can start mm-hmm. with Florida State. Obviously, we, we kind of try to run down the list of the ACC teams playing 
certain, you know, competition throughout the weekend and kind of how they fare. Yeah, with Florida State, they came out, they shut out Stanford. I'm like, perfect. This is exactly what Florida State needed to do. They saw Nyjah Kennedy. They put four runs up on her, ran her out after five innings. I was like, Florida State, they've got it. They turned it around after that loss to Charlotte. You know, this is going to be the Florida State we saw. And, that, and Allison Royalty, who pitched along with Dan Lee, the freshman, they looked great. And then they went up against UCLA, and this was one of those games. They gave up 14 runs. They went through five of their pitchers. Florida State started Danley, went to Reed, went to Royalty, Gooden, and Wilson all in the game, and they still gave up 14 runs to a UCLA team. People are like, okay, UCLA, you know, they're good, but they're having they're they're in a rebuild year right now. They've lost some games that they shouldn't have, and you know, not what you would expect UCLA to lose to. But that game really was bad and then the Georgia game. You were at the UCLA game, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk to me so. about kind of the vibe that you got from the team when they were cuz to me on TV they looked like they were kind of like, you know, all right, they're scoring all these runs, mm-hmm. no big deal. Yeah, it was. It was crazy because I almost think sometimes when you have teams that take significant leads early in the ball game, it's very easy for a team to fold and kind of get defeated quickly, right? Mhm. I didn't see that for Florida State. Mm -hmm. It was almost like they knew the offense was going to produce. It was just a matter of which offense was going to come through more, not which pitching staff, which defense was going to shut the opponent down. Mm -hmm. And that's what's crazy to me. And I think something that we're seeing so much is, you know, when Florida State, for example, scoring 10 runs in a game should secure a victory. And and Especially for Florida State. (laughs) Right, right. And, like, I think that's the harsh reality right now that a lot of teams are navigating is – holy cow, like our hitters are swinging it. Our pitching staff has got to figure out ways to be successful against really great hitters that we're facing and playing against. And I don't have the answers. I also don't try to be a pitching coach. I don't claim to be one either. And so I'm excited to see what's going to happen the next several weeks because pitching across the country has got to make a change. Yeah, you were there. What was like when they went through five pitchers? When the pitchers were getting pulled, did you get to see them in the dugout? Like, what was their what was their demeanor? Like, how how are how are they acting after they got pulled? I mean, running through five pitchers, giving up eleven walks and hitting two yeah. batters. How were they? I think the competitive spirit, like they're pissed, right? They're angry mm-hmm. with themselves. They're not pleased with their performance, but it's almost just that culture and team mentality of okay, if I couldn't get the job done, somebody can pick me up. And I like to see that because you have that belief in one another. But again, the pure competitor in us knows that we work our butts off so that it's us in the circle. It's us in the box getting Mm -hmm. that opportunity. And so, you know, I I will say, though, like I was weirdly pleased with the aura and the vibes of the team because they didn't seem defeated. It was almost like they were just getting more pissed when things didn't go their way, or if there was a bad call, it was almost like, that's fine. Like, we'll figure it out and just watch this next one. And so I like to see that, that gritty approach. But then at some point, somebody's got to step up and shut it down, right, Right. for the opponent. And so it's just a tough balance right now, but they never seemed like totally checked out. So, Well, that's a good sign because then they turn around and they play Florida, I mean, Georgia, excuse Mm -hmm. me, and get, again, gave up 20 runs, 20 walks, two more hit-by-pitches, went through yep. five more pitchers. I mean, it, and it could have been worse. There was mm-hmm. a three-run home run that got negated because um, yep. Jaden Fields at third base left early. And some there's a rumor saying that she did it on purpose to speed the game up with weather coming in. I don't know if you saw the replay or saw it live, but, I mean, it was obvious when I she saw it. Up. I saw yeah. it, like, during the game live, too. Yeah. I was just like – 
I'm sorry, because if I was the hitter, I'd be pissed. I'd be right. like, are you serious? What is going on? But I don't and know. And that was if a freshman. So, that's crazy. first home run. If so, so how that's do you feel crazy. about that? I mean, uh, if, it, if it was intentional, <laughs> if it was intentional to try and get the game, I mean, they were in the driver's seat, scored 20 runs, and they're like, there's possible weather coming in. Like, we need to get going to get this win, to get the amount of innings we need to make it count. What do you think? I have a hard time with that one. And it's just hard for me to swallow as a competitor because I played on the teams before where we were purposefully leaving early. And that's such wreck ball to me. Mm -hmm. I hate it. Right. And I mean, I also come from, right, like having been coached from people that have baseball backgrounds. And why I say that is because some people don't even love the run rule. They're just like, no, let the teams play it out. And that's what baseball does, right? The girls should do the same. And so I think I toggle back and forth a lot with like my opinion on that, because also, though, to some extent, some things get really out of hand, right? Mm -hmm. Like had that game not stopped because of a run rule 20 to 10, how far does it go? How long does it go? So I want to see the game succeed. I don't want to see it ever lose viewers, but I also think that there's some level of integrity. So if that was intentional, mm, not the biggest fan of that. So Mm -hmm. I'm glad you brought up the run rule. I'm always going to take a moment to get on my soapbox. I hate the run rule. I, yeah. I, like you said, baseball doesn't have it. Is it because we're women and we need to be protected from being exactly. beat by 30 runs? I'm okay with it out of conference. Like this tournament, cool. Let's, you know what? We'll have a run rule. Yeah. But in conference, get rid of it. We see mm-hmm. how much, many runs teams can put up in an inning. Nobody's out of a game anymore. Offense is there. So I'm always a proponent of getting rid of the run rule, especially at least in conference. I agree. I will say I called a collegiate baseball game uh, two years ago and it went extra innings and stuff, or I'm sorry, no, it didn't go extra innings. It was a um, six hour ball game and because there was no run rule and that's what's so crazy. And then of course I've called some that went like extreme extra innings and they were four or five, six hour games too on the baseball side. But at some point something's got to give, right? Right. Right. Okay. So what what's your what you think Florida State what 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 are they going to do what what needs to change how are they going to turn this around because we're twenty percent of the season's basically done already yeah that's so crazy, crazy. To think about so crazy right time's flying um yeah Florida State pitching staff really just has to figure out a way to win um whatever it is right I, I'm not expecting any one person to come in and just completely change their game to overpower the opponents that are going to come from here on out. But what I am expecting is a couple people on that pitching staff to step up and say, okay, this is how we're going to do it. Obviously coaches leading that conversation, right. And approach, but some people have to want to be the ones in the circle to do Mm it um, and make some kind of significant change. So your hitters are hitting, let them keep doing their thing. Mm -hmm. Pitching staff defense, right. Keep run production to a minimum, figure out a way to beat people because you have to, whatever it is, you have to. And I'm going to one last thing on, on the pitching at Clearwater. When the runs were being put up in astronomical numbers, I didn't see a pitcher with a good changeup. Mm-hmm. The pitchers Fair. with good changeups and off speeds were having success, and the ones that weren't did not have a change of speed. Hitters can catch up to speed, they can look one side of the plate, but you, this day and age, you have to have something to change the balance and the timing of a hitter. And I think that's crucial. So I think. In my opinion, if Florida State wants to contend again, we've got to find some good off speeds and some good changeups, and they have one of the best pitching coaches in the country. So, Love still, it. I still have hope and faith in Florida State. Yeah, me too. Through and through. <laughs> All right, let's go and move on to Duke. Duke had a great midweek game. I say great, great for Duke, right? Not not right. who they played, but 
Um, tell me a little bit about what we saw at Duke this last week. Yeah, they had a uh, North North Dakota State, who you know in the past has been a postseason team, been a solid coach team, but they got just trampled by the Blue Devils, eighteen to nothing on a gold. And I love her; she's a great defender. But we got to see her hit two grand slams. I mean, hitting a grand slam in a game is awesome, but to do it twice, my goodness! And that just tells you, as a team, they're getting runners on, allowing her to be in that situation to hit grand slams, but. Talk about like a clutch player. I mean, this is a veteran that's been around for this team and has been a key part in their success and coming up with two grand slams in a midweek. I mean, they they were all gas, no breaks for sure against North Dakota State. Oh, yeah, I love it. And I think that something that I was telling actually one of my kids, my athletes that I, I train um, about this past weekend, I was talking to him yesterday and I was like, listen, you got to look at some of this offense I don't care if I was in the circle pitching, right? And we all know that I'm not a pitcher. It takes a lot of talent to be so consistent and still hit balls out of the park. So Mm -hmm. to hit, come up clutch in two moments, bases loaded and come through with obviously balls leaving the yard, like that's huge. Mm -hmm. Um, And it says a lot about the preparation that gold is putting in as well as hitters across the country. And it doesn't matter sometimes who you're facing, like still having to execute is really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll just say that tidbit, but crazy game, a lot of run production, obviously 18 is again, astronomical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. And then they went on this weekend, they didn't play the best competition. They had Rutgers, FIU and army. Um, they won all those games. Uh, they have, they've had five shutouts in nine games. I mean, their pitching's there, obviously their hitting's there. And the most runs they've given up in a game is three to Oklahoma and Iowa state. So, we didn't see much pitching in Clearwater, but we saw it from Duke. Uh, they didn't have the competition in Clearwater. You can definitely argue that, but you still have to throw strikes. You still have right. to get the ball in the zone. And I, I think Duke right now, to me, is the best team in the ACC, hands down. Yeah, I can't argue with that right now. The way they're playing, they're playing on both yeah. sides of the field. So it's yeah. good stuff. All right, let's get into Clemson a little bit. They were out in Mexico playing, and their last couple of games also got canceled due Mm -hmm. to weather and field conditions. How do you feel about that? So what I heard down in uh, in Puerto Vallarta, uh, they had some – you can't control the weather, just like couldn't control it in clear. We we missed some big-time matchups that I wanted to see so bad Mm -hmm. there. But for Clemson, they they didn't get to play uh, their Utah game – that whole day was canceled. Then the next day, they pushed everything back because they didn't have a tarp. There was no tarp on the field. They didn't have the availability to cover the field and keep the rain from coming. And then they ran out of turfus. So they literally had to sit there and just wait for the sun to do its job. And to me, at this level, I don't know. I don't think that's acceptable. I Mm-mm. think if you're going to put a high-level tournament on and bring these high-level athletes and then they played the game that they ended up losing to Mississippi State, and there were Mississippi State players sliding on the ground. They they were going to score but slipped on the mud, and then a couple close injuries from the field conditions. I just I don't, I don't I didn't like it one bit. Not it. That's not it, in my opinion. I'm sorry. You can't one risk just in general not being able to put the event on um, with proper equipment and necessities mm-hmm. like tarp and the turfus and everything else right and then I'm sorry but when you're then endangering the athlete and potentially Mm -hmm. hindering the rest of their year or career Mm -hmm. I'm not Mm -hmm. a fan of that so I don't disagree not to say it's not a great tournament that attracts Mm -hmm. great competition 
but maybe played at a different venue or making the venue the venue have the appropriate accommodations. Yeah, invest, again. invest. If mm-hmm. you want to have these teams here, invest in the money that it takes to have the the equipment you need to put a high quality field together. And but I will say, for some of these players, this may be the only opportunity they have their entire life to get a passport to yeah. leave the country. So I think the opportunity is just phenomenal. And the NCAA allows teams once every four years to have an inter- international game. So we've seen teams go, I think Notre Dame went somewhere in Europe this year. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's great. I think it's a great thing. I just, I want to see it done right. But talking Clemson and Puerto Vallarta, losing to an unranked Mississippi State team, uh, went, they went through Kegel. She went over four at the plate. Uh, they made four errors on defense and just like, like a lazy fly ball behind the pitcher was dropped that continued an inning and scored yeah. some runs that, uh, she's got some great range, but the defense really, I wasn't too excited about, and it was yeah. very uncharacteristic of them. I agree. We, we've seen Clemson historically, you know, be very solid, especially fundamentally. Mm-hmm. Um, they take a lot of pride in that. And to see them not take care of the ball in the small ways is a little tough. Um, agree. But I also think, again, like these teams, especially your top ranked ones, should not be losing some of the games that they have lost so far. However, I would be extremely naive to not acknowledge that that's just the way it all happens sometimes because your talent is so widespread. You've got teams being coached phenomenally. You've got people coming through, players stepping up that never before have in their career. So you can't judge some of the losses that are happening, but that's when you start to question, is this team really one of the best if they can't win all the games that they on paper should, right? Right. So... And that's why you play these games early in the mm-hmm. season, pre-conference. We're going to see where we're weak, and and we're going to build from there. And when it when we come when it comes May, I don't think you and I will be talking about this game. Yeah. Like, nobody's going to remember this. It's not going to matter. It's only going to matter on what they can improve on going forward from here. Yeah, totally. Um, so now let's get on to Virginia Tech a little bit. So let's switch gears from a lot of offensive talk to a little bit more pitching. Emma Limley in the circle for Vatek. Looked a lot better this weekend. Um, I say better. She hasn't looked bad at all this season, but just really proud of, I think, her continued progress in the circle. Yeah, the, I was really excited to see her come out against Arizona State. Uh, mm-hmm. She five-inning complete game, only two walks. We talked about last week that her walks were uh, an issue, non-competitive pitches, definitely turned it around, six strikeouts, and, and the team, they're going to hit home runs. They hit two home runs, yeah. so I was excited for it. Limley to do that, um, but then they lost to Cal, and then yeah. they lost, got run rolled by Grand Canyon. So, yeah. what are your thoughts on those two losses? Again, games that on paper they shouldn't lose. I think player for player, right on the roster, you just look and you're like, mm, okay, Vatek's going to come through with a victory. Um, obviously, Vatek is one of the the leader the leaders in the ACC with offense alone. So you don't question really what they're going to be able to come up and produce, but then. Again, you start having moments where athletes are pressing. They're trying to force themselves like to, to produce. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't happen. And, and the chips don't fall as they should in those scenarios because you've got to play loose. You've got to play free. But that's been a consistent theme with Virginia Tech when they had people in the circle. Go back a couple of years to Keely Richard. She's amazing, has all the tools, all the talent in the circle. Virginia Tech still couldn't come through with the win. And so it's it's always the question of, okay, we've got the talent. Now, how do we finish it, right? Mm-hmm. And if we had a dollar for every time we heard a coach say that on the broadcast, right. 
I would be rich at this point because that is always the question. You know, how do we win championship innings? How do we close out ball games mm-hmm. when we're within one or two runs? How do we come through? And yeah, and I think it's tough for a Virginia Tech team that I that lives and dies by the long ball, right? Yeah. They're going to hit home runs. But the problem is, is sometimes those are just solo shots. You're not going to yeah. – solo shots as a pitcher, as a, when I was catching our pitching coach, always Bev Smith would be like, you know what? We can handle solo shots. Let's not do it with runners on. So yeah. a couple shot, solo shots here and there I don't think is going to be enough for Virginia Tech. I would like to see them start to start manufacturing some runs, get some runners on, move them over, and then have that big hit. Because, that, I mean, that – that's their identity, right? Uh, yeah. The long ball, but they need runners on when they do it. And they've got to clean some things up in the circle for sure. Yeah. Well, let's keep the hitting talk going because we know yes. they're both hitters at heart. So UNC, your Tar Heels, absolutely crushing it with the offense, right? They're leading the ACC in batting average. Two of their hitters are the top hitters in the ACC right now. You've got Alex Coleman. You've got Carson Sneed. Talk to me a little bit, Britt. I, I tell you what, the the job that um, Coach Lyon and Megan Smith are doing with this offense, I, it's unbelievable. They look so good at the plate. They're mm-hmm. aggressive. They're confident. They are swinging at pitches in the zone, and they're swinging with intention. Like It's not just like putting the ball in play and see what happens. They're trying to drive the ball. And I tell you, Corey Lyon, when he was at Marshall, the hitting coach now for UNC, came over with her, his wife, the head coach, Megan Smith. They broke all kinds of offensive records when he was at Marshall. I'm like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. you know, I, I like, I love the Megan Smith hire. All right, she's going to bring Corey along. He's done good things at Marshall. I wasn't completely convinced of how yeah. good of a hitting coach you. I'm convinced. I am 100% convinced. And I think if he wasn't married to Megan, he would be the <laughs> next hot head coaching gig in the country like the next big one came open I think he would be the short list for it just from what he has done I mean as a team they're hitting 415 415 I mean you see that was individuals but as a team get out of here but they still lost to Kentucky 12 to 10 because their pitchers gave up 12 runs right so again we're seeing this thing in the circle where they're giving up so much many runs but I love the fight man they Kentucky came out and put a six spot up in the top of the first. They didn't bother them at all. Yeah. They came back and put up five runs. I, that was just back and forth. And we saw that from a lot of teams. But mm-hmm. I loved Carolina's offense. It was a refreshing sight. And I think they're doing a great job offensively. Yeah, I completely agree with everything you just said. But I definitely agree with the part of these offenses are not backing down. it, And it's like mm-hmm. they don't care how many runs the opponent comes in scoring from the first inning, right? They're just like, oh, yeah, don't worry. We'll continue to chip away. And I'm just like, hmm, interesting mindset there. You know, don't we want to not have to chip away so much and keep the run production at a minimum? But, hey, what do I know? So where do you think that that confidence comes? We saw it with Florida State. We saw it with Georgia Tech. I mean, where does that confidence come from? I think just knowing that they've been there and they've done it before and Again, all the work they put in, all the tools and information that they have at their fingertips right now, like, it's just different. And I think that the entire aura of today's athletes are different, too. And that's something that I got to kind of talk a little bit about with Lonnie Alameda recently. When I was there chatting, you know, I was joking about just how tall and strong these girls are and how individual and unique each of their personalities are on the field, which... 
and, and nothing wrong with it. I was a fan of it when I played, but like Britt, I, I come from a collegiate experience where, you know, we couldn't have facial piercings. We couldn't have body tattoos showing. We could have tattoos. We just had to cover them, right, with sleeves and different things. And, you know, the, the crazy makeup, like, nope, we're not doing it. Earrings, very simple. Like it was a lot of just very unified look. And now it's like, you know, Lonnie, her exact words were, Alex, like everybody embraces who they are now. And and people are now in a position and not that they weren't before, but everything was just different, right? We'll just say that it was different, but you're celebrated for your individuality and your uniqueness on the field, whatever that is for you. And I think that that's where the confidence comes from is these girls are just authentically 100% themselves. How special is that? I mean, college yeah. is a time for you to find yourself. And when you're able to express yourself freely and find yourself and be in a situation where the culture around you embraces you, I tell you what, I, I you know, I haven't, I had never thought of that. I'm so mm-hmm. glad you brought that up because that is huge. I mean, the confidence you have as an individual definitely relays and is shown on the confidence you have as a player on the field. That's a, that's a phenomenal point. I think one of the coolest parts of that, and again, I'm, I'm not saying anything bad about my college experience or how I felt, how I thought about myself, anything, but like, I would be lying if it wasn't ever like, oh yeah, we're softball, right? Like you see that trend going around, like we're softball players. And then they say something about themselves, but it's like, we were softball players. We were bigger than a lot of the other sports mm-hmm. because we had to be stronger. We had to be this, you know, and I will say, um, even the training has continued to just mm-hmm. elevate their game with strength training being so individualized and what specific athletes and, and what the sports need. And then it's like now, like strong is beautiful. These girls come in here, 5'10", 5'11", some of them, and, and being absolute specimens is what you want to be. You don't look bigger and you don't feel bigger than either the, the teammates on your team or the other athletes at the school. Like you're just like really legit at your craft. And I think that alone, just the physicality and the celebration of the physicality is really cool. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I'm glad you brought that up. That's such an important part of life and the game. And we always talk about coaches are here for more than just wins and losses, but to develop individuals. And I, I love to see, I love this, this culture change that we're seeing in our sport for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So again, while on the topics of offense and a lot of run production, Georgia Tech, they impressed Mm -hmm. me last week. Didn't necessarily have a record that would say that they played really good softball, lost a couple of games. But if you look at the process and approach, (laughs) I think one would be very impressed with Georgia Tech. Because (laughs) let's also talk about historically, they're not a team that was previously scoring a lot of these runs against these same opponents. So Georgia Tech, a couple of games against LSU, Stanford, scoring eight and seven runs respectively. Talk me through that a little bit. Yeah, I think there's been a transformation with the Yellow Jackets. A couple new additions to the coaching staff, uh, I think, has made a difference. Uh, they they swing the bat well, and yeah. they are aggressive. And like we saw with a couple other teams, they get down, and they, they just very next inning, they're fighting <laughs> back and scoring runs. I There's a new confidence in the box for Georgia Tech. I, yeah. I really like their approach, how they swing, and they're aggressive. I think that was the one thing I took away from watching them down in Clearwater's they are aggressive. Anything close to the zone, they are taking a big hack and putting the, putting the ball in play. I, 
I really like it. I like what they're yeah. doing. What concerns me, though, you know, everybody says defense wins championships. I personally think defense gets you to a championship and then yeah. offense wins a championship. But Fair. the defensive part of their game is missing. They've got 11 yeah. errors in 10 games, and not all of those errors they're making go down on papers. Some of it's throwing the ball to the wrong base doesn't go down as an error. Missing your cut, there's just a lot they need to clean up defensively to help cut into the runs that their opponents are putting up to be able to let their offense actually have a chance to win some games. Yeah. And I agree with you completely on that. And I think the thing worth noting is we're not hard or not overly hard, I guess, on the pitching staffs across the ACC, across the country. We're not overly hard on the defense, but we just have seen it firsthand. You can't only rely on your offense to score 10 runs a game. It's not realistic. And Mm -hmm. and let's talk about reality. These opposing pitchers that are going to be faced at some point in the season, whether now or postseason, are going to be very good and they're Mm going to have it figured out and your hitters are not going to be consistently putting up the numbers that they are right now. Mm -hmm. If they were, I would be a big fan. I'd be like, okay, let's see it. It's just going to be an absolute offensive slugfest, but that's just not reality. Right. I think Georgia Tech showed me, that's a great point. The further you get long in season, the better the competition, the more people have fine-tuned, the more film they have on young players. Like it's going to be harder and harder to score this many runs uh, so you've got to clean up the defense while you can. Yeah. You've got to clean up the pitching while you can, and this is time to do it. Absolutely. So NC State. Mm-hmm. Interesting one to me this weekend, and I know we kind of went back and forth on it too, but I think talking defense now, I love how we're just like seamlessly rolling into each topic and conversation, but a couple of huge plays. NC State, a sports center top 10. You had Ellie Goins. Robbing a home run mm-hmm. made Sports Center number Da-na-na. five. Play, right? How cool! I love it. <laughs> oh, in in February, jealous top ten. Love it. Jealous, jealous. Some good double plays as well. Some coming from your outfielders throwing people out. Things like that. Bang bang plays. I love to see NC State it, it, under the leadership right now of Lindsay Leftwich making some changes too and having an impact. Yeah, I think they're they needed this weekend. They had a tough opening weekend playing some more competition where they can excel and gain some confidence. And I think that's what this team needs after what they went through last year. And, you know, the, for lack of better word, abandonment of their coaching staff (laughs) and having to fight through that, I think building confidence, getting on sports center, you know, it's just going to build this culture and this morale and really help them moving forward. Yeah. Visibility on on that is awesome. So Mm -hmm. we're going to last touch on Louisville and, Mm -hmm. and just because really, I think, you're a fan of Louisville right now, doing some things well. Talk to me a little about the Cardinals. I, I, we said it opening week before we got started. Week one, we talked about losing, you know, AC freshman of the year behind the plate, yeah. Taylor Roby graduating, and Corby Otis going to Florida. Like, how are they going to respond? How are they going to figure this out? And they, they're so, I mean, Alyssa Zabala is pitching lights out. She may be the best pitcher right now that ECC has. She, uh, I mean, she just rolled through teams down in at the FAU um, in Boca Raton. They did drop a game to FAU, but mm-hmm. they're 10 and one. They are 10 and one at this point. And last year they were six and three at this point with all those big hitters in their lineup. But Alyssa Zabala was like, you know what? I don't care who's left. I don't care who's gone. I'm here. I'm making a statement. I can carry this team. They beat Michigan, shut out Michigan. Michigan had 
has had some trouble lately, but it's still Michigan, right? You yeah. going gets the block in. You're going yeah. gets going against them, and she shut them out two to nothing. I really, yeah. really like what I'm seeing in the circle from Louisville. No, I, I agree. I think it's good, and I think again, it, it's saying something that they're winning the games that on paper they're supposed to be winning, right? Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. we're not seeing consistently necessarily across the conference, and. It's tough. It's easy to say, oh, well, they're not playing anybody. Yeah, but they've still got to play because there's been some other teams that have played, you know, teams that on paper they should have beaten. They didn't. So mm-hmm. it's just a harsh reality. So Louisville is looking really, really good right now. Excited to see kind of what they go through the next couple of weeks, especially as we start to head into conference play. So top five in the ACC right now. I think mm. our opinions have maybe shifted just a little bit with, with what we're seeing on the field. My top five right now, I think far and above in a way at this current point, Duke is the best team in the in the conference, hands down. And behind them, I'm going to put Clemson. I, they have Valerie Cagle. They've got Mackenzie Clark. They got Leah Logaleo. They got mm-hmm. they got all these players that can be so good, and we've seen it. Mm-hmm. So they're my number two. I still have a lot of faith and confidence in them. I'm going to put Florida State at three um, just because they can put up runs and they have Lonnie Alameda leading the program. I uh, can't count them out. Then I'm going to I'm gonna put Louisville at four. I was not excited about them preseason, and that is my own fault. But right now I have them as the fourth best team, and they very easily could be my number three. And then for um, number five, it was a toss-up for me between UNC and Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to go with Virginia Tech um, just because they can hit a lot of home runs. They have a lot of experience. Carolina is still new coaching staff. I haven't seen what I want to see in the circle defensively. So I got Duke, Clemson, FSU, Louisville, Virginia Tech. Those are my top five. All right. I'm going to hold you to it. So, <laughs> what you got? Uh, what do you yeah, got? Yeah, yeah, Oof painful it hurts to say I'm so serious because anybody oh goodness that's how much it hurts anybody (laughs) that knows me knows like if you were to cut my arm right now like I bleed garnet and gold all every bit of me all of me Mm -hmm. but right now I'm just not sure I'm not sure what I see I'm not sure how they're gonna change the corner and I'm sure that they're gonna change the corner it's just a matter of when um and I don't want to see them lose any more big games or important games um until then. So I agree with you. I think Duke is playing the best softball. I think they're playing the best two-way softball right now, both yeah. defense and offense, right? They're executing. We, we see them run the bases. They wreak havoc. Um, they're crazy. They'll be doing all the plays, running all the things, and it's fun to watch. Hard to keep up with, too, if you on the defense are not on top of your stuff. Um, Clemson, agree. I, I think it's hard not to put Clemson in this position simply because they have the leadership of Valerie Cagle. I think she's right now respectfully, going through that balance of she accomplished, you know, outside of winning a national championship last year, she accomplished the the highest and the most prestigious award and recognition that the game has to offer at this mm-hmm. level. Um, and I think that that's hard. And I think that a lot of us as fans of the game, as fans of the conference, rely on her and expect mm-hmm. a lot on her. And we forget that she's a 21-year-old, 22-year-old girl figuring it out too. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I I think with her in the circle and her experience that she has, she will continue to lead Clemson, um, whether directly on the field or even the the leadership and impact that she has on the dugout. 
Um, Florida State coming in at number three right now for me. Um, really need to see defense and pitching staff pick it up a bit. Uh, offense is looking good, and that's hard because it's also not always been the case. You know, like sometimes mm-hmm. in the past, Florida State's been pushing across and scratching one, two, three runs to try to win ball games in the pitching staff. And that was when I was playing there. You know, yeah. the pitching staff sometimes was our savior. Um, mm-hmm. So definitely want to see the pitcher step up for Florida State. And like you said, before with- you go on to number four, yeah. can we just give props to Kat Sandercock? Yeah. I mean, how good was she? Right. Yeah. I mean, the core of this team's back. They're missing Kat Sandercock mm-hmm. and they're giving up all these runs. I, we knew she was good. Yeah. It's just showing how great she is right now or, or how great okay. she was. Sorry to interrupt, but I had agree. to give no, a shout good. out. You're I, good. It's just so obvious now. I agree. And that's the thing, too. Your defense isn't playing badly. So mm-hmm. um, it really is just leaving balls too much over the middle of the plate against really strong hitters. Mm-hmm. Um, four for me is your Tar Heels. Um, hey. And I know you said, right, like new staff, like kind of just figuring it out. And before they can kind of make any more leeway in your mind with potential and all this stuff, like you want to see a little bit more. Right. And I think that's why I put them there is because they are so new and they're figuring it out pretty dang fast. And, mm-hmm. and that excites me because then I start questioning, hmm, what are they really capable of if, if this is week two with year one? You know what right. I'm saying? Like, this is crazy. So mm-hmm. I like to see it leading the conference offensively. And again, that's not said lightly because you've got a lot of teams right now putting up some pretty good offensive numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like what I'm seeing out of the Tar Heels. And that five spot for me is Vatek. Um, I'm going Virginia Tech because, like I said earlier, I'm I'm a hitter through and through, and they put up the numbers. They've got Lindley in the circle, and she's been good throughout her career. And again, kind of talk about leadership, similar to Kegel, has been on, on some big stages, and, and I think that she has the experience and that leadership to take the Hokies further than otherwise, you know, than they've been in the past and what we otherwise may expect, um, just player to player. And so I, I have Virginia Tech in that spot. Louisville, I kind of feel like you do about um, some other programs if you just want to see a little more. I just want to see Louisville a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want it's them fair. to wow me on a couple things. But I agree. Zabala in the circle has been awesome and a lot mm-hmm. of fun to watch. Well, got a lot to look forward to in the ACC. We had a crazy week, too. Yeah. A lot of fun, a lot, a lot shown, a lot of runs. We're learning more and more about this team, these teams and this conference um, this week. I think our top five teams kind of have, you know, a week, a good week, a good scheduling week to take some wins, to rebuild, get things back together. I think the one game I'm really looking forward to is Clemson versus Charlotte midweek. Charlotte took one from Florida State. Clemson coming off a loss to Mississippi State. I, I would like and midweeks are hard. I don't care yeah. who you're playing. It, yeah. it, midweeks are hard. So I want to see how Clemson comes out against Charlotte this week. But I think I, I like um, how we're learning about these teams. And I like this week is kind of like on paper, mm-hmm. the ACC should dominate. And yeah. we'll see what happens. We'll always see what happens. So thank you guys for tuning in to week two episode three of up the coast with alex and Britt. we are here to talk all things softball so stick with us in the future because we are going to continue to go week by week team by team and give you our analysis so that is all we have for this week's episode and we'll talk to y'all soon thank you (music)